All right, so uh, why don't we jump in? Yeah. Um, welcome to Let's Get Real with HR. And today we have Alexander Ali Dalipi joining us. Uh, my name is Constantine Sky. And uh, yeah, let, let's uh, dive into it. Um, so do, do you prefer going by Alexander, Alexander Ali, Alex, uh, Ali? Yeah. I've seen uh, quite a few variations in your email signatures. <laughs> it's so funny though. Um, honestly, if it was, uh, if most of my clients all ask me this, like, oh my God, what do we call mm-hmm. you, right? And I'm like, well, if I'm in trouble, I'm probably going to go by Alexander Ali Delivy. If you're my, if you're a good friend of mine and you really don't care, you'll probably call me Alex. Uh, I'm trying to get a little bit more, you know, clean cut and be called Alexander or Alexander Ali, kind of like, you know, Jean-Luc or like Marianne, <laughs> right? <laughs> or, nice. you know, um, although, uh, although um, it's, it's, it's a mouthful. So honestly, I say, you know, depending on your mood, go with it. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. I'll, I'll go with Alex. You said your friend told you that. So hopefully we can uh, become friends um, as we continue uh, meeting each other. But, but yes, yeah, like I've kind of been in the same boat. Uh, at some point I decided that, you know, people will call me Constantine and then it changed into K. And then some people from grad school and from college call me Co. And I'm really, really confused whenever I hear Co. Uh, just because I'm so not used to it ever since, um, you know, I graduated. But um, thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, of course, I have um, a little bit of the introduction um, in here. So you spent quite a bit of time uh, building out your company, HR One Systems, that focuses on the HRAS. Uh, you also uh, are pursuing your EDD mm-hmm. um, in particular, and uh, you're based out of New York, right? Yep, I'm actually out of New Jersey, uh, right across the water from World, World Trade Center. Okay. Uh, and uh, around your company, perhaps you can tell us uh, a little bit about it. Yeah. What do you all do? <laughs> yeah. So I've been, uh, so we're a boutique uh, firm, consulting firm that uh, is based out of here in New York and in the US. Uh, I've been around for over seven years. Um, so a day in the life uh, of my career, you know, I started out in uh, HR as an HR coordinator about 22 years ago. Uh, and don't do the math, please. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know, moved up in the ranks. So, you know, be- ended up became, becoming a generalist and a senior generalist and a manager. And then um, the company that I was working with, they actually sold the company. And all of us you know, that got sold, that got acquired, we all got laid off. And then we all got these huge severances because we had a really nice ESOP program, mm-hmm. which is employee uh, employee uh, stock ownership plans. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do with all this money? And so I went. <laughs> so I was like, OK, OK. Um, I spent about six months in Europe, and then I literally applied to my uh, master's program at Villanova University. And then while I was doing school there, um, and then I ended up switching over to an online program for them, which is an amazing program. Um, full course, exam, same like if you're on site. So they were kind of one of the first pioneering um, uh, universities to actually do a, an online program, but with the same level of credentials and credits as being on campus, right? So I was like, yeah, let's do this online, travel, go to Europe, you know, travel the world and nice. study at the same time. So it was great. So, and of course I had that money from, from the, the acquisition. So it was really great. Came back uh, last semester before graduating. I got a really great job working at a um, Wall Street investment back, uh, brokerage firm here in, world, uh, world, uh, in near World Trade Center on Wall Street. 
did that for about four years as the head of HR for the, they were also a boutique firm. Uh, and then after a while, I, I finished school. I built an HR department from ground zero. I was an HR department of one and I brought in two other people. So it was half of three. And then at that point, I just turned around to my COO and I said to him, I was like, boss, man, I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> I want something else to do. And uh, I have always had an academic background. I've always been, you know, a nerd. Um, I taught for the last three and a half years, four years now at Baruch College, as well as Lehman College, which is now where I'm at doing my doctors in education, uh, focused on uh, organizational change and leadership. Um, my focus is actually going to be on followership. So uh, we're kind of, I'm kind of going... Um, I'm going to take in a taboo or kind of go on the flip side of that yin-yang uh, environment for leadership. Yeah, I definitely would love to have you back and talk about that. Uh, but today we're talking about HRAS space. <laughs> so how did you end up in the HRAS space? Um, it sounds like there's a lot of HR leadership. There's a lot of education and traveling the world and <laughs> Europe in particular. Uh, but with HRIS, it, it seems to be quite a dry topic and one of those things that, you know, HR professionals sort of like hold their head uh, wherever they hear it. <laughs> yeah, so it, it requires a lot of data an analysis and a lot of analytics and a lot of heavy Excel um, data crunching. And so... If right before, you know, the whole people analytics boom in the HR uh, environment and in industry, uh, I started just really doing a lot of data analytics using VBA formatting, uh, Power Query. But before it was called Power Query, it was just, you know, the back end VBA. Uh, and uh, I loved the fact that I was able to create all of these analytics that were correlating and related to cost benefits base compensation, total compensations, benefits, right? And then turnovers and performance reviews. And I was actually able to do a lot of correlations between performance reviews and turnovers or people quitting versus, um, you know, doing other areas of that sort. So at one point when I told my boss, I was getting bored because I designed the models. I had all the templates. It was great year after year. It was doing really well. But it wasn't really, um, you know, going anywhere because the company's small. So, you know, it's not going to continue to grow. So what do I do? And so one of my sales reps at one of our vendors, she's like, I really love that you're amazing at this. You do really well. I implemented their um, HRS and payroll softwares two times with other clients prior here years. And then all of a sudden she's like, you know what? You're really great. You've been a, such an amazing referral. Like you've been getting us like a lot of deals. You've been very helpful. Can you do this on your own? Like a side gig. And I was like, uh, no, I'm like, would I ever do something? Like, I mean, like, what is no, I mean, you know, I was, I was young in my early thirties, right? Young. <laughs> okay. And I was like, how do I do this? Right. So, uh, you know, I took a chance. I talked to my COO. I said to him, Hey, I'm bored. Uh, I, I want to do some things. I told him I have an opportunity to do some side gigs. And, you know, he's like, I don't know about that. You know, I mean, he's totally supportive, totally do it, go with it, run with it. I did one project. It was really, really cool. And then I got another bigger project. And my CEO was like, listen, I can't stop you from pursuing your career. This sounds like a really great opportunity. Um, you have my blessings. He goes, just give me, you know, at least one month notice. And I gave him three, I gave him two and a half months notice and I closed out the year for him. And, uh, and then I transitioned over. And then of course, here we are seven years later. 
Uh, all right. Uh, you, you talk quite a bit about analytics, actually. Do you identify as a people analytics person? No, I identify myself as a data analyst. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It, it's, it's actually like an interesting question because I don't think we ever ask anyone, do you identify as a people analytics person? Uh, although I would imagine that some people might identify you as a people analytics person without necessarily you like raising your hands and saying, it's like, hey, I'm in people analytics. Right, right, right. Yeah. No, I mean, I think I was always a data analyst from like, you know, of course I was the head of HR, right? But when I was crunching mm -hmm. data, I was really like being that data analyst because uh, being on Wall Street, all of our analysts were data analysts, right? All of my financial analysts, right? They were all analysts. So I was like, wow, man, you know, um, we didn't have a word like people analytics at that time, right? Now I'm dating myself. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, at that time, it was like, oh, man, what should I do? I was like, I guess I'm just a data analyst. And then so through time, that was right when people analytics and HR was transitioning from administrative and very operationals to more strategic and leadership roles, right? And that's when we transitioned from, you know, just an administrator to now an analytics. Oh, wow people analytics. And then that whole ch uh, cultural change in the HR went from H human resources to now people and culture departments, right? And so that's where I came in. So I don't know, I still feel like I'm a little bit of old school. I, I still like most of my analysts all have computer science degrees on my team. So are we people analytics? I don't know. We're as a consulting company, we go in, we crunch a lot of data for them. We optimize and implement their, their payroll and their payroll and HR systems. So we really want those people analytics titles to be within in-house HR departments and in corporations, not as from like a consultant's perspective. But who knows? That could always change. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a really interesting perspective, actually, because um, I was starting to think, what is the difference actually between data analysts and a people analytics person? Is it, is it just titling at the end of the day? You know, that's a really great question. Uh, a few months ago, I, uh, not a few months, a few years ago, um, I was part of the hacking HR for the New York chapter. And I was the, mm -hmm. that was the leader for this division and, or this location. And we did one of our web, uh, our actual onsite right before COVID, uh, took over. Uh, and we actually did a, a whole seminar on what's the definition between a data analyst and a data scientist. Cause back then people analytics wasn't around. So we were like, how do we differentiate between data scientists and data analysts? So when we looked deep, when we did a deeper dive in them, we understood that being a data scientist was more focused on computer science, right? Computer coding, right? Co um, understanding how to create algorithms, right? And then applying those algorithms or those, uh, or those different types of languages into a department or an industry, right? So then that's when data science kind of started funneling over into data analysts. So then when we talk about how, what is the definition data analyst? Well, it's the, it's the, it's the sister partner of a data scientist, but we're doing more of the data analysis and the crunching. So we're not building the algorithms to produce the data. We're actually utilizing the data and creating mm -hmm. stories about them and stories around the data to give back to leadership from a strategic point of view. So based on your definition and uh, based on what um, I've heard about people analytics more generally, right? It's like the actual analysis, um, working with the data, producing some sort of reports, um, creating stories and narratives around the data. A lot of people analytics people actually fall on the data analyst spectrum a lot more than uh, data scientists per se. 
100%. Uh, it's really hard to learn programming if you're not a really, if you don't have that brain wiring, if I can kind of say it that way, right? So, you know, it's not, uh, it's really, let me think about this. So right now in our industry, we're coming up to the challenge of creating very unique um, like macros or types of code in order to replicate or to produce data that is very mundane, right? Versus, um, so versus like having to just do the manual. So from our perspective right now, two of my, so like I told you earlier, all my analysts actually have computer science backgrounds, right? So they all know, yes, they all know Python or R or SQL. So in our industry, we use SQL as our language, our language program to use, because that's really where our data houses or data, data storages. At. And then we just use SQL coding or SQL scripts to actually extract the data and create a whole bunch of, you know, tables and tables and, and different fancy tables. However, now what we're trying to do is get, uh, now what we're trying to do is introduce our studio coding, right? Okay. So we can, so we can, yes, we can create tables, but, ha but SQL can't create pretty ver visualizations, right? Presentations, mm -hmm. graphs, charts, etc. Our studio is able to take the big data uh, information and then actually visualize it. So now we can, and from a coding perspective, we can actually make it more elegant and create stories out of those presentations with, with linked to the actual data. So it's kind of like the next evolution of C, like SQL coding or SQL script writing to the next level with your databases that you have, right? You still need the foundation of C, SQL databases, but the next step is you, you can bring them into our studio to create those really cool visualizations. Because at the end of the day, in human resources or people and culture, we're strategic now. We're not very, oper we're not very operational, operational or administrative, right? So if I circle this all back, we, we want to be, we want, we want to be, to be. Right? Like, we want to be strategic, not, not administrative. Right. We've been that's administrative right. for over 50 years, right? So uh, since we, we changed our name from personnel administrators, right? To human resources. And now we've taken the next evolutionary step, right? To people and culture, right? I just want to wait till we see the next evolution with AI. What do we call ourselves after that? <laughs> do we call ourselves human bots? Are <laughs> we human bots? <laughs> well, that, that, that's uh, definitely interesting, right? Because um, what is AI going to do overall to the entire organization? And how is the organization going to look like um, is a big question, of course. Uh, but around the work that you do, uh, so there, there is a part of it that focuses on actual narrative generation, mm -hmm. but there's also a part where you know you're getting invited by the invited by the organizations to run optimizations of their HRISs, and largely that signals to me that the big problem right now that's happening for many organizations is that their HRIS is very much disorganized. Um, which I have seen in my practice um, as an operator and, uh, you know, switching the HRES, uh, but also in my consulting practice and advising the different clients. So I wanted to touch a little bit about that. And uh, perhaps you can talk about some of the core issues with the HRES right now that organizations are trying to address. Yeah, I have two really great extreme case studies that I'm working on right now. Um, okay. uh, two different clients of mine that I have, I'm not going to say who they are. <laughs> hopefully, of course not. Hopefully after this, hopefully after this uh, podcast, I still have a job. 
<laughs> so um, the the left side of the spectrum is they have done an amazing job of optimizing their system from dashboard visualizations to easy, quick links to really well um, reporting and scheduled reporting and uh, correlations and, and being able to create trends with the history that they have in the system. Now, the reason why they were very successful is because they utilized us as their consulting partner to be able to bring in that data, but fill in the gaps of the data that was missing during the legacy system. So when we pulled the data out, it wasn't just data out and data in, and there's some other meaner words that people in the industry say when you pull data out, and if you just don't do anything with it, you just put it into the next system, right? So we're going to be polite and say, unfortunately, bad data out, bad data in, right? So what we've done is we really worked really closely with that company. I'm like, I, I can say it, garbage out, garbage <laughs> in, garbage in, garbage out. Hey, you're the host, go for it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so I did not rate this uh, podcast R-rated, <laughs> but I, I think these terms are can be quite acceptable. Uh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, that's great. So yeah, so and with them and their story, it's really great because that, so this case study they're working on, their example is a very far extreme where they really optimize the system, but we had a really great partnership and they allowed us to really clean their data. So when we extracted the data, we filled in so many of the blanks that were missing, then we put it into the system. It was a really complete data set and being brought in. That's why the graphs and the charts and the emails and the dashboards worked so well and were so efficient and produced really well, beautiful um, reports and visualizations, right? Bring it to the other side of the spectrum, right? Uh, very, is this a different client? Very, uh, yeah, different client. Okay. So now, okay, same okay. parallel, different client, right? So, so client number one, missing data. Client number one, missing data, but allowed us the opportunity to fill in the gaps and really make clean up the data, but make their data set whole, okay? Okay. So if we go now to the other side of the client, same same population size, same number of HR people, I would say same number of titles and, and I guess positions in the, within HR, right? And then executive, right? And then same, two different software systems that they brought out. That's one, one outliner that I, I could see, but they brought it into the same vendor, right? So that they upgraded to. Didn't make time for meetings. Didn't uh, want to schedule training sessions with us where we do kind of like tricks to the trade with this, with the software to kind of help them out. Because that's one of our specialties in, with our boutique firm is we really love knowledge transfer and really teaching them how to fish and how to really maximize the system. Didn't make time for that. Um, we asked them to clean their data. We asked them to fill in the blanks. They're like, you know, just leave it alone. We just don't want to mess around with the data, which is fine. Oh, that's that's very valid statement. You, sometimes you don't want to touch legacy data. You want to keep legacy data the way it actually originally comes in, right? But the problem is that if you keep in, there's all these gaps. What do you do with these gaps? Well, then, unfortunately, your, your charts, your graphs, your reports, your analytics, turnover reporting numbers kind of look weird. They get skewed a little bit because you have all these gaps missing or you have these random outliers of, you know, you know, re termination reason is, you know, voluntary, involuntary versus uh, blank, 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 right? Performance review versus, um, you know, left for another, another job opportunity or blank, blank, mm -hmm. blank. Right. So, you know, you know, as a as a PhD yourself, when you're working with a lot of data sets, if you get all these NAs, these NAs, what happens to your data set? It becomes the, the, the reliability. Comes it's up. inconclusive. Very inclusive. Right. And that's what ends up happening with the, the technology. Now, if we're not an academic and we're talking about real numbers, you know, as an 
as an HR professional in this people and cultural environment where HR or people analytics or professionals here are strategic leaders. But if you're missing a lot of data, you can't tell a really good full story. Right. So what what is your what is your what is your worth or what do you bring to the table at that executive level? Ooh, not so much. Right. And so that company has been stumbling and stumbling and stumbling with a lot of frustrations where the other one is like, oh, my God, they're just so they were so happy. So I tell one client, my God, you're putting me out of a job. And I tell the other client, my God, I'm going to be with you forever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I guess these are kind of my two extremes. If I were to kind of say the challenges that I've seen and one of the challenges we face in, in HRS or human resource information systems uh, implementations. So, so what's a big barrier for the client number two? Yeah, you know, bandwidth. Um, they're, they're overworked um, and uh, some of them are underskilled or some of them, um, you know, they're just, they, I think they're, Uh, leadership. I mean, you know, when you don't have a really strong leader that invests in the product that you're purchasing, you, you know, implementations are not cheap. They're, they, they're cost no, they're for the firm, right? So if you don't really take the time to invest in it and you're not a real good leader and none of the leaders sense of you're doing the work yourself, but like being, you know, Hey team, you need to allocate time and we're allocating our time. We're going to reshuffle our workloads, our priorities. Let's get it in there and let's get it doing. Well, what ends up happening is I think I think when they bring in a consulting company like mine, they kind of I kind of handicap them a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's why with our firm, we really pride ourselves in knowledge transfer. We don't want to do right. we'll do the grunt work and initially, but once we get that grunt work done, immediately we try to switch over into training and development and uh, and knowledge transfer and really teaching them the system, tricks to the trade of the software to get them to that next level. And I think that's where it's like, well, all right, the system's ready, it's working, you know, we got it. Let's move on. It's like, no, you really can maximize. There's so much potential in technology, right? Mm-hmm. And it kind of circles back to the AI world too. Well, if you don't really know how to maximize your system, you don't have good, clean data in the system, will the AI really function? I mean, right now, mm-hmm. ChatGPT is, is struggling through producing fake data or fake, fake essays or fake stories, right? Or fake information, right? Because it's, just making, right. It, right. it's just making it up because it doesn't have parameters. It doesn't know how to kind of fact check itself. Well, same thing, you know, what would happen if AI starts coming in, creeping into the organizations, replacing these jobs or replacing these, these roles that we don't have? Well, if there's not good, clean data, right, if it's not active, a- accurate data, reliable data, well, your AI is also not going to function. So I think I just figured out how we all still have, keep a job in HR. <laughs> All right. So do, do tell, do tell. <laughs> That's it. You know, good being being able to bring the data and analyze the data, and and and, and, uh, and that that really comes into your into your into your line of industry as well. And kind of what I love. And um, earlier we talked about how you know you did your homework on me. I mean, I've been stalking you for almost two years now. <laughs> so I really have been. Uh, I really appreciate a lot of your a lot of your methodology, a lot of your approach to data, a lot of your approach to sometimes dry data, dry information, dry workload that is required but necessary. But still, you you make it fun. You make it more like dynamic. Like, hey, let's rethink about how we do some of these things. And I, I just love your posts. I just read them. I'm like, they're so clean, straightforward. I'm like, this is what my dissertation professor keeps telling me: keep it simple, keep it clean. <laughs> And so I go back to your your LinkedIn post, ironically. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, this is right now I need to write my, my dissertation. <laughs> yeah, I actually appreciate it. It's like my 
dissertation was, I, I think, 60, maybe 80 pages. It was very straightforward, and it was an overview, I wouldn't say of eight studies mm. uh, conducted in there. But but yeah, it's like, I love that style that is straight to the point and just gets um, the clarity across. Um, and, and from the HR perspective, I think it's very important from the data standpoint, because it's a very complicated subject and one of those subjects that, you know, they don't traditionally teach in a... I don't know, HR certification programs. They might touch upon it once in a while, um, talk a little bit about data and more in the sense of here's what's possible, but not necessarily here's how you roll up the sleeves and actually get into the data and organize your HRIS. Um, so this is where I'm wondering if part of the um, sort of issue is that resistance that is created mentally, uh, perhaps like some sort of mental block between analytics and HR as professionals. Like, do they mesh together or do they not mesh together? Uh, like, is there something about the identity or is, is there something uh, else at play in here that's generating this very slow movement forward? Two comments on that one. And, okay. And to, to all the millennials out there, don't come for me, okay? <laughs> First one is social media. I think social media has created such a problem with our younger generations with attention span and attention to detail mm -hmm. as well. Uh, and then there is a huge culture crash with the, the Gen Z, uh, the Gen Xs and the older generations from coming from attention to detail, going slow, taking time to actually make sure you're T's across and I's are dotted, right? And so from, from that perspective, where is kind of like that disconnect? I was just talking to another client of mine. He's like, I hired an intern to just, I just needed to, him to do basic V lookups in Excel. And he just can, he's like, oh, V what? <laughs> I'm like, well, now it's called X lookup. <laughs> so, so I just took it next level for my client. And he was like, wait, what? I was like, nah, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Bad joke. And so, you know, his frustration was, you know, an intern right out of, um, right at the university. And it's actually here it's, um, here in, in, in New Jersey that I'm here. And I'm actually reaching out to the, um, to the, the chair department, the department chair uh, in the business um, management office to see if I can come in there and kind of do some like, you know, guest lectures and kind of talk to them. Hey, this is some of the skills that you need to, to look for. And these are some of the skills you should focus in on when you're coming into to the market. Because you're right, you know, in school and in school and academia, it's always very theoretical. And is not a lot of practicalities or empirical, um, you know, unless you're purely talking in the sciences, right? And then, of course, you know, you can right. you go into a lab, right? How do you go into a lab for Excel? How do you go into a lab to write it, to write, you know, to, to create a PowerPoint presentation, right? How do you go into a lab to be able to do this stuff? Now, don't get me wrong, real programs like, like uh, data analyst uh, programs or, uh, or, or, or um, degrees, but that's the last five maybe 10 years that those degrees have been out in the market now. So are they really going into those? No, a lot of people probably going, they want to do their MBA, right? Or they want to do their bachelor's in business administration, right? So they get a course, mm -hmm. their course there, right? Do they really know how to focus in, in it? Probably not. Two, it's too a little mathematical, too numbers oriented. Majority of people or the, you know, 
I would say, you know, if you look at like population, again, don't quote me on any of this stuff. I'm not factual. And have to fact check me all you want, I'll probably be 99% wrong, right? But at least on my observations, it's been like, you know, people are very creative. People love, I mean, especially, you know, with the social media, stuff like that, it's really creating content. But how do you do the numbers on the back end? And this is why I really love STEM programs, um, science program. And I have a, I mean, I have a, ba- I have a bachelor's in physics myself. So mm-hmm. kind of have that kind of discipline uh, from an earlier time. So if we kind of bring it back, what would we see from a, you know, resistance or challenge? I think it would be that, you know, we, I would not blaming anybody, but it's just like, how do we kind of get out of this whole theoretical, oh my God, let's look at these really amazing power presentations, right? That create all these visualizations that can create all these stories to tell, you know, to do a business case, right? Mm-hmm. But wait, where, where is that data coming from? Right? Where are those mm-hmm. images coming from? Right. So I think that's where I would see it. And I'm really excited to be partnering up with uh, with the departments here at the universities uh, to try to kind of go in as as a mm-hmm. team kind of say, hey, you know, once you get out of school, this is what you're going to do. Right. These are mm-hmm. some of the basic skills that are, I mean, at least from my age and older. <laughs> and I'm very young, by the way. Um uh, I, you know, that, that's like another thing that I've noticed that a lot of people say it's like, oh, I'm dating myself and think that they're old. I'm like, I don't find that I'm that old. Um, and a lot of people who are my age are like, oh, yeah, I feel so old. Yeah. But but yeah. Uh, it's kind of I, I think we used to do that in our 20s and uh, as a joke. And it kind of stuck with us. Oh, my God. Yes. Alisa, Alisa, I'm, I'm an elder millennial. Right. Um, if you really want to do the math, I'm 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 a second I'm a second generation. I'm a second year uh, elder millennial, which I like to call. Uh, I coined myself as an elder right? in the millennial spectrum. Right. <clears throat> which iPhone generation are you? <laughs> <Nothing>. <laughs> Well, um, cool, cool. It was uh, really good to catch up, but wanted to learn a little bit if you had some words of wisdom for the HR leaders and uh, HR generalists who are looking to get into data and perhaps clean up their HRAS data, what are some of the things that they could be doing? Yeah, so I would say uh, start out simple, Excel. It's a really great I mean, it's it's time old classic tool. You know, if it's not broken, <clears throat> don't fix it. And I think that's a really great starting point. Uh, learn a little bit of tricks of the trade to Excel. <clears throat> learn about different types of formulas. Learn a little bit about Power Query. <clears throat> that's a really great introduction to take you kind of to those next levels. And if you really enjoy doing some of that, enjoy doing some of the coding, uh, the formula creations, the complex uh, formulas or uh, sheet integrations or combinations, then you can kind of start looking at, oh wow, what's the next level from Excel, right? And then kind of Mm -hmm. start out there. So don't be scared of the data, love the data. It is your best friend to tell you a beautiful story and really get you to that executive strategic level of a role or position you really want to get to. Short and sweet. All right, awesome. Uh, thank you for being on the show, Alex. Uh, this was uh, super informative and uh, really interesting conversation about you know where we're going um, as a field overall and the importance of data, having clean data and then using it to tell the great narratives. Thank you so much. I mean, I hope to come back again. I'd love to love to help wherever I can. So. Yeah, thank you. It was, this was fun. I mean, I tried to keep my jokes to a minimum.
<laughs> Your jokes are great. <laughs> All right. And uh, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening and tuning in. Subscribe to the podcast. And uh, I'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>